Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. Today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Andrew, why don't you explain Patreon to the wonderful people at home? Oh my goodness. So if you haven't heard of Patreon already, it's a place where you can go to support all your favorite creators, which I assume is us, of course, because everyone loves us. us. We're awesome. We're the best. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to run through our current patrons? Would you rather I do it this time? I'd rather you do it this time. I would always prefer that you do it. All right. Well, here we go. I'm just going to run through this list. It's a long one. Our current patrons are... Stephanie L., Terry Needleman, Max Lunig, Benjamin Lear, Lily Ackles, Mackenzie Horner, John Donna, Taryn the Duck, Melissa Goldman, Jess Lightning, Ewan Cassidy, Haley McDonald, Taskier, Colin McLeod, Fire September, Mina Murniri, Monica Thoreau, Brent Black, Haley Murray, Allison Wonderland, and B-Way Flicks. Hello. My goodness. We're, we're glad to have it. That's why we have him do it. He's so good. He's so good at it. I'm so good. I'm so good at doing it. I do it real well. He's so good. We're in the Irishman now. I, I, I'm going to have you whack Jimmy Hoffa. Hey. It's okay. Uh, whack what, him what off. Benefits, whack, whack his what dirty, dirty wiener. What benefits do our patrons get? There's extra benefits <laughs> and stuff. Um, so they give us a little financial support that helps us keep the lights on here with Musicals with Cheese. If you would like to join them in supporting us, they can get tons of fun perks such as patron-only commentaries, our episodes a day early or even earlier, and a couple of other cool things including occasional after-parties. Come join us over at Patreon. All right, Andrew, this is a big episode. You ready to get to it? I'm ready. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater. And welcome to this super special episode. Do you know why it's super special? Oh, man, I, I can only imagine. Because it's episode 69, dude! Oh, 69, dudes! <laughs> wow, and we what know a humorous such a, observation, Jess. What, for such a big, wonderful number that means so much to the internet at large, we had to do something equally as big, as big as the number 69. Hey, hey, do you know what year... Uh, the novel that this was based on was published in what year was it published in 1862 oh, oh. <laughs> andrew what what are we talking about today les miserables let les miserables lesbian rebels <laughs> yeah so when you when you say this and everybody talks about how to pronounce this uh, title you know uh and really to get it right and to be accurate you have to say it in a British accent. <laughs> Not a French accent, mind you. <laughs> no. It's, uh, a f- you have to say the French words in a British accent, and that's how to accurately describe uh, Le- Lemis? Lesmis? <laughs> Les Miserables.
Les Miserables! This is the worst episode intro ever. <laughs> this is the worst episode we've ever done. Goodbye, yes. everybody. We're done. Goodbye. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Les Miserables, colloquially known in English-speaking countries as <laughs> Les Mis, is a sung-through musical adapted from French poet and novelist Victor Hugo's 1862 novel of the same name. It was adapted by Claude Michel Schoenberg, Alain Bobil, Jean-Marc Nadel, and Herbert Kretzmer. The original, the original French musical premiered in Paris in 1980 under the direction of Robert Hussein. Its English-language adaptation by producer Cameron McIntosh ran in London from October 1985 to July 2019, making it the longest-running musical in the West End and the second-longest-running musical in the world after the original off-Broadway run of The Fantastics. <clears throat> Set in the early 19th century France, Les Miserables is the story of Jean Valjean, a French peasant, and his desire for redemption after serving 19 years in jail for having stolen a loaf of bread for his sister-starving child. Valjean decides to break his parole and start anew after a bishop inspires him by a tremendous act of mercy, but he is relentlessly tracked down by a police inspector named Javert. Along the way, Valjean and a slew of other characters are swept into a revolutionary period in France, where a group of young idealists attempt to overthrow the government at a street barricade. Did I sum that up pretty well, Andrew? I feel like that's as best as you could possibly do in that short a period of time. <laughs> Alright, so... I have a pretty well-known history with this. I've loved this musical for a long time. I've read the book at least two times. It, it took most of my life, but I finally read through it twice. But Andrew, what is your opinion on Les Mis and your history? Because you have a little bit of a different history than most people. I was forced to read it in school, and it was okay. <laughs> and The abridged version, the abridged version. He did not read The Giant Brick. Well, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even 30 years old yet. There's no way I would have finished it by now. Uh, <laughs> um, but... I just watched it for the first time this week, all the way through, and uh, I think it's about as good as everyone says it is, so. <laughs> you don't think this, like, the hype, it lived up to the hype, you're saying? It did live up to the hype. <clears throat> Was there anything that, like, took you by surprise, or things that were worse off, or things that you thought the book did better? I think that the musical did everything better than the book, because it's a lot shorter. <laughs> I mean, it's that doesn't mean to say that it's a short musical. It's three hours. No, but the book just drags. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I like the musical a lot. The music is fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. And and you the like these guys when they did Miss Saigon as well. Yeah, it's the same people, right? Exactly the same people, or is a few different? Um, no, uh, basically, how this worked was. They wrote the lyrics in French, and then Herbert Kretzmer translated them to English. So, it's the same composer. Yeah, no, they, they just had a, a different job. translator. This is, this is definitely better than Miss Saigon. Um, I'll say that. <laughs> that was something I was curious about, because you were really head over heels over Miss Saigon. Well, the music's really good in that, and the music's also really good in this, but this is a better story. Mm -hmm. So... Based on this, how would you describe the entire experience of Les Mis? Like, is it more music-based, or is it more story-based, Like, or is there a good mix of both? Um, I think it's a decent mix of both, but I think the reason that people love it so much is the the music. 
and it has become ubiquitous. Like it, 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 it's really hard to go into Les Mis now, knowing everything we know about it, and have that blank slate that a lot of people had in the '80s, or even me in the early 2000s when I got into it. With Susan Boyle making "I Dreamed a Dream" basically a hit song, and then Anne Hathaway taking that and Ollie ooping it with the Oscar nomination just for, or the Oscar win for just singing that one song. And so most people think Lame is and just think that not that great song. Not that great song, Jess. I don't love that song. <laughs> you can go fuck off. That song's kick ass. <laughs> you like that song? Yeah, I like that song. <laughs> and that melody is like the melody of the entire musical, but, you know, whatever. I think I had <laughs> such a disdain for it because of its placement in the musical. In the musical, it's a, a really weird place because we don't really know this character yet. <laughs> I guess if you read the book beforehand, it makes everything much easier to follow. So, like, if mm. you already know the story, it's a better show. Because, like, I already mm -hmm. knew who Fontaine was, so I wasn't like, oh, who's this character? Right. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the backstory of the musical. So, it started as a French-language concept album, and it played at a giant, like, stage. Like, basically, uh, a giant, what are they called? Stadium, more or less. It was a sports stadium, and that played in 1980. But it was closed after three months due to the booking contract, but people were still lining up, basically... Most of that city had seen that show because they liked it so much. And then Cameron McIntosh sticks his big British nose into it right after opening Cats on Broadway. And he listens to it and he's like, you know, I think this could make a really good, like, British musical. And so he helped develop an English language version of it, which is wholly different from that original French version that did so well. Like, the prologue where Valjean gets, like, all the, the silver, the entire story... That wasn't in there. The entire structure of it was all different. Javert barely had any songs. It was a wholly different thing. And then they put it on in 1985 at the Royal Shakespeare Company, and it got the worst reviews any musical has ever gotten at the Royal Shakespeare Company after that point. They were they were convinced they were going to close, but they pulled a Star Wars, and there were lines around the block for no reason aside from people really wanting to see it. So what changed? When you say, like... N nothing changed. It was just people enjoyed it, but the critics hated it. I don't understand how the critics could have hated this, though. Like, they must have changed something, because the critics don't hate it now. I mean, at least I assume so. <laughs> <clears throat> what changed, more or less, was the Broadway run it eventually had, and the Barbican run, after the Royal Shakespeare Company. Because after it hit Broadway, like, the Broadway critics loved it, it was mostly the snobbery from British theater critics, it seemed like. Uh, I think the the music. I could, if I was to guess as to why critics didn't like it, snob wise, the music is somewhat simplistic compared to what some musicals have. I suppose. <clears throat> I remember I mean, one be... quote from a critic, and I think you're gonna take offense to this. <laughs> oh, because sure, I take ahead. offense to it. Is <clears throat> I've never thought I could see someone do a pastiche of Andrew Lloyd Webber's work. When all of Andrew Lloyd Webber's work is pastiche itself. I mean, I will say that it sounds like some of Andrew Lloyd Webber's good songs, like most of the musical. <laughs> but the they thing go about for this, that, and I, oh, it's got like continue. this heavy, this heavy sound to it, and it's almost like a, 
it's almost like you could put like an electric guitar in it or something, which is something Andrew Lloyd Webber would have done, um, but they didn't put an electric the, guitar into it. <laughs> there is an electric guitar in there. Did you not hear it? Especially in this not new in, stages, the all-star version that we saw recently. Wait, there's an all-star version of this, like with Shrek? <laughs> no, no, but, but no, that I was mean, a version that we saw in theaters. Like there is an occasional electric guitar hear... jutting in every now and then. I didn't hear that much electric guitar. <laughs> it, well, it didn't have a solo like Andrew Lloyd Webber would have given it, but it would just be there to accentuate some moments where it's like either sexy or like really intense. Yeah, I mean, that's a little different than um, what Webber would have done with it. Like, I mean, <laughs> we've watched Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> <laughs> but the... You know how my recurring joke is Andrew Lloyd Webber writes five songs and then repeats it a thousand times and calls it a musical? Yeah, so does this. <laughs> this one does it, but it makes sure there's a connection first. Whereas Andrew Lloyd Webber this will one, just... Yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber just kind of repeats songs for really no reason. Whereas this mm -hmm. one, every character has their own song. Yes, they have their own theme. And when a song comes back, it's for a reason. Like, let's... We're going into songs really early, but that's fine. Let's take Valjean's soliloquy in Act 1, where he decides to end his life as Jean Valjean and become a new man after such a discovery of kindness and redemption and all that. As I stare into the void, to the whirlpool of my sin, I'll escape now from that world, from the world of Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean! That song is repeated at the end with Javert singing the same music to the same beat to the same melody, but changing it to be about how he's going to end his life as Javert and kill himself because of this act of kindness and not being able to basically balance between Valjean being a good man and a bad man. He can't work in the shades of gray. I am reaching, but I fall, and the stars are black and cold. As I stare into the void of a world that cannot hold, I'll escape now from that world, from the world of Jean Valjean. There is nowhere I can turn, there is no way to go home. I like, my favorite example of all the songs coming back is, I mean, the Act 1 closer is literally every song at the same time, essentially. Yes, I agree. Up to that point. <laughs> <laughs> a quadruplet is what it's called. Yes, in French. Mm -hmm. But you have to say it in a British <laughs> accent. Quadruplet. Vive la France. <laughs> <laughs> it is really weird to hear these French words said in a very, very thick British accent. Yeah. I don't, I don't quite understand why they don't even attempt a French accent, but I guess it's because it's a British theater thing. I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it would be more distracting if they tried to do an accent, honestly. Yeah, prob you're probably right about that. Mm-hmm. We don't often talk about character in our podcast. Occasionally. Because a lot I mean, of we have our music... We have our Dear Evan Hansen episode. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. That is entirely um, about character. 
Um, but here, the characters actually matter. Like, the main drive of this is the relationship between Jean Valjean and Javert. And you're one that has read the book. How do you think this musical explores that? And is it well done? I would have liked to see more Javert, to be honest. But that's only because I'm a Javert fanboy. He's my fave. Although he doesn't really have any good songs, but whatever. You don't like stars? What the fuck are you talking about? It's okay. There's better songs. <laughs> um, but other than that, I think it's, I know, it's like it's very good. Yeah, but what about the Barricade Boys and all their subplot? Every version uh, of it does it badly, except for this one, in my honest, humble opinion. Yeah, I always hated like everything with Marius, like entirely. Yeah, um, he's such a lame character. And he's... <laughs> I, I all like, when I read the book I was like why are we focusing so much on this Marius character I kind of want to know what Valjean's up to you know because he's like the one I care about and not this other guy um, but in the musical they cut down his stuff to uh, like a, like three songs maybe and they focus a lot more on uh, the whole barricade as a whole and their songs Which is are great. awesome yeah so <laughs> they're like, fucking good. I'm into it. You know, this is much better than the book. <laughs> and the romance is ch- cheesy and one of the like lesser pieces of the story altogether. And I think this handles it very well by being like, all right, it's there, it's there. Okay, we're not talking about it anymore. Yeah, the love at first sight thing is really stupid, and I kind of wish they could change that, but I feel like it's just part of the story and they can't really touch it. <laughs> right. Um, how do you think the love triangle in Act 2 is handled between Eponine, Cosette, and Marius? Because that is basically what all little girls like myself um, attach onto and put our emotions toward. I'm really glad they kill Eponine really quickly and get it over with. It <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> how Marius dare sucks. you? Marius sucks, Cosette sucks, and Eponine is actually good, but whatever. Um... <laughs> How do you like the character of Eponine? Because I remember when we were younger, you gave me shit for liking her so much. Well, because she's just lame and then dies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's like, she's like the, uh, she's friend-zoned pretty hard, and she doesn't <laughs> really get out of it, and then she dies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've read the book. How do you think it compares to how she is in the book? Because she's a fucking bitch in the book. I... I if I remember correctly, she does more in the book. Yeah, she is a little more actively involved in less of sad puppy dog. Yeah, in in the musical, they just kind of, like, gave her one sad song and then killed her. Uh, which is alright. I'm fine with that. Honestly, I don't like the love triangle thing. I just want to see more Javert and Valjean. Like, the love triangle's boring and cliché. Well, a lot of complaints mounted toward this musical is also how com- how confusing the politics of it all is, especially when you get to the revolution. A lot of people just think it's about the Napoleonic Revolution when really it's just about the June Rebellion, which is much less well-known. Well, yeah, because it's not Napoleon succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> these guys, they... Exactly. Uh, well, these the guys first die. Time. <laughs> Napoleon succeeded both times, okay? Did he? <laughs> Did he? Yeah. 
Quite literally, I'm, I'm he came d- back from he came back from exile and took over again. <laughs> the armies, <laughs> the armies, literally, they ordered the army to attack him, and, and the and they took one look at him, and they're like, "No, we're fighting with him instead." <laughs> <laughs> but like the general Lamarck side of it, like it took me when I was younger because all I had to work off of was the. London cast album and the 10th anniversary concert, which explains almost nothing of the story when you're listening and watching that. Um, and I don't know who General Lamarck is and why I should care. It was hard General, to follow that. Yeah, that's... So, what I gather is General Lamarck is the last general that cares about the people? Yes. Or something like that? The um, people's man. Yeah. And so the revolutionaries latch on to him as, like, a symbol, and they are using his property to, like, host their rants and whatever. And then when he dies, they use his funeral to start the, the revolution, which mm-hmm. is more like 16 school kids behind a bunch of furniture. <laughs> <laughs> when you say it like that, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah, but that is what it is, right? Yes, and... In the musical, all like using his funeral and all that, all that's done out of stage, like in between Act One and Act Two. Yeah, in well, I don't. We probably shouldn't get into it yet, but in the movie, they actually show it all, which is a little better. Yes, there's there's a lot of things I want to talk about in that movie, but I'm trying to avoid talking about it here. <laughs> yeah, I mean the movie's famous, maybe not in a good way, maybe, but maybe not in a bad way either. <laughs> So I saw the we saw, I saw the concert version recently. Yes, with Michael Ball and Alfie Bo. Yes, I have not seen the actual staged version of it, so that's yes. a, it's a little bit different as well. So we should mention that. Um, yeah, and I I have seen the stage version four times now, and I've seen every other concert. What is your opinion on the comparison between those two versions? Which one is better to see? <sighs> uh, obviously, it's better to see it on stage. Like, if you can see it on stage, if it's touring near you, see that. Because, especially this new production with, like, all these new orchestrations, it sounds incredible. And you have to have a great cast to be able to put on this show. So no matter what, you're going to have actors that are going to be absolutely incredible and jaw-dropping. But uh, it is still very hard to follow. The concert versions are good, but they do trim down a lot of stuff because they don't really care about the story as much as the songs. I honestly, I liked the concert version because of that, though, because when uh, I I just found that, I mean, it's long. These are really long. And if I haven't made it clear, I like things that are more concise in most most cases. And I felt like the concert cut out a lot of the stuff that I really didn't want to see. And they just kept all the stuff that I did. I mean, what are you thinking of? Because there there were some really there were cuts there that really bothered me. So. Well, what bothered you? It would be what I'm more curious about. Well, one of my favorite songs in this show is Belongs to Tenardier, if you would believe it. We have three main male leads, and each of them are three diametrically opposed positions on Christianity and religion. We have Jean Valjean. He represents New Testament beliefs, highly devout Christian, but believes in forgiveness and people can rise from their station to become better. Then you have Javert who is Old Testament, fire and brimstone, follow the rules or else you're going to go to hell and burn forever. And that is, I am not changing. This is what we believe in, like real hardcore. And then you have Tenardier, 
who sits in his own category of all I give a fuck about is me. There is no God. Fuck your God. Yeah. And he's the best character, clearly. So, well, yeah, but each he's of the them only character with a happy ending. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but each of these folks had their own thesis song with Valjean. You have who am I and bring them home. I think who am I is more like it, which is where he sets up. I belong to God above. I made that vow long ago. This is why I must do what I do. That is him stating his thesis of who he is and who he's going to be. And then for Javert, you have stars, which is um, scarce to be counted. Like, I will find you. Fuck you up. But I still believe in my God because this is what I believe in. And then you have Tenardier, who has this highly underrated song, but so fucking important. Dog eat dog, which is in the sewer where he's picking the corpses from the barricade and stealing their stuff. It's a world where the dogs eat the dogs Where they kill for the bones in the street And God in his heaven, he don't interfere Cause he's dead as the stiffs at me feet I raise my eyes to see the heavens And only the moon looks down The harvest moon shines down Like, that is equally as important as stars and who am I to this entire thematic tie together. And I know what you're going to do. You're going to throw the quote at me from the Game of Thrones guys that themes are for eighth grade book reports, but it's important and it pisses me off that the movie cut it and it pisses me off when other shows cut it down. But you also get the same, the same concepts from all of his other songs. So like that particular song. Yeah, but he's a comedic character. (laughs) This is the one time we get alone with Thenardier and the one time he's remotely serious in the entire show. He's serious the whole time. He's just funny. (laughs) (laughs) he isn't here is what like what other comedy character you see in any musical is gonna tell you here's my thesis god doesn't exist i'm out to get my own and fuck you but his thesis is laughing dog eat dog his thesis is in master of the house though (laughs) like master of the house that's who he is that's that's yeah but it doesn't state his relationship with god which is obviously very important theme throughout it I mean, it doesn't really have to. You get the you get the idea. He doesn't care about God. <laughs> He's the master but of the house. <laughs> look at it from the point of view. Like, Victor Hugo, obviously, he's an atheist, but he wrote Les Mis with the idea that God exists and is planning everything ahead of time. Yeah, and what a great plan he has. <laughs> well, that's the justification for all the fucking coincidences, honestly. That's literally the only reason why he says that. Yeah. What the fuck? What was that? I don't know. What was that? I thought that was from your end. I thought that was your end. All right. Well, let's just let's just move on. <laughs> All right. Um, do you want to go into a mid show then talk about the songs? Um, why don't we keep going a little bit? Okay. Um, what do you we, want to we talk about next? A, we were just on a major thread. Oh, where are we? Where are we? <laughs> I don't think cutting down Dog Eat Dog is as effective, especially when you have basically used the song like Turning that follows right after it. 
That's true. But I feel like that's a character that doesn't need his serious number. And I do. I do. I very highly say that he does. Because it's more or less it's more or less the reason why in God's eyes he is the antagonist as much as anyone else is. And why Valjean and Javert are not the antagonist and why Tenardier truly is. Yeah, but he's the best character and he's the protagonist in my eyes because <laughs> he's really funny and I don't really, you know... Like, Valjean's a great person and all, but, like, do you really want him to succeed? Not really. You want Tenardier <laughs> to succeed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here is a truism that I disagree with, but I've heard in reference to Les Mis, and I'm curious your opinion of it. Sure, um, sure. It's impossible to make a good man interesting. Do you think they did a good job with that with Valjean? I think good men are the most interesting you can have. If you present somebody with a set of with a choice and you have a character that's able to make the best possible choice in the struggle that they make with that that should always be interesting so i think that that truism mm-hmm. is just straight false like mm-hmm. if you're well, unable to make that's a, what good, Zack a good Snyder person, says about that's what Zack Snyder says about superman <laughs> you know what actually I, what i was just about to say is if you are unable to make a good person interesting you are a bad writer so it, I, I guess that's fair that Zack Snyder <laughs> says that <laughs> The, the way you make a good person interesting is by giving him choices where you could take the easy way out and have zero repercussions on him, but have his morals be the thing that's compromised. Or give him a choice where there is no easy answer and there is no objectively go- good thing to do. Like, what are you uh, thinking? Like when, what kind of idea are you thinking of? In this musical, he has where he decides if he wants to turn himself in or not. If he turns himself in, all of those factory workers that he that he's working with are going to lose their jobs. Yes. So is is that the good thing to do, or is the good thing to do to save the one person who is innocent who might go to to prison? So which one of those is the actual good thing to do? Um, and that's a that's a choice that a good person has to think about and make. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you could also argue that there there are two people that you could consider good people in this, in Valjean and Javert. Um, because Javert is also trying to always make the good choice. Um, but he goes uh, in a different direction with it. You know? Mm-hmm. So... And do you... I don't know. Like, do you think that Javert is competent? <laughs> No, he's definitely not. He he is like okay. he has like seven. He has like seven times that he could have caught John Valjean. He's just like, all right, I let you go this one time, but don't mess with me again. <laughs> what, what time are you thinking of? I can only think of once. Uh, that was well, when he is like, take him, Valjean, and he lets him take Marius home. Yeah, he does that. Uh, he also, when Eponine is dying, he does that. Um, what? What does he? What? Yeah. He's there when she's dying. Am I mistaken? Fant- Fontine, gotcha. Fontine, not, not sorry, not Epony. Oh my goodness. Sorry, I'm like reading a list of fucking characters and I said the wrong <laughs> name. When Fontine is dying, they also sound similar. I mean, uh, <laughs> he doesn't like stop them. They kind of get into a fight. I, yeah, and I he mean, gets I guess. bested physically. Yeah, I suppose. Or in the movie, he just jumps out a window, and it's stupid. Yeah. I guess it depends <laughs> what version you're you're watching, but 
Again, he, he but lets in the him stage show, <laughs> basically Valjean strangles him to unconsciousness. That's a good way to kill somebody. <laughs> I like in the Liam Neeson movie where he just bashes Javert's head into a wall until he passes out. Yeah, I mean Valjean. Everyone's gonna be like Valjean's the good, the best person, the the most good person. Uh, is is mm-hmm. that a good thing to do? <laughs> is that the good person move? Didn't you just as long turn as you yourself... didn't kill him? Apparently, didn't you just turn yourself in and and uh, that was the good move? But now when the guy comes to you know actually follow up on you turning yourself in, you're gonna bash his head in and escape. <laughs> like <laughs> it bothers me in this musical, and it bothers me in a lot of versions of this. You know how Valjean's always like, "I'll come back, I promise," uh, and you can take me to prison. And but he never like, does. He never does. <laughs> and I don't mean to like talk the praises of the Liam Neeson movie because that's a very, very flawed film. But the best thing about it is that Valjean actually holds his word and comes back for Javert and is like, "All right, I got all my affairs. Take me." And then Javert kills himself when Valjean actually shows up and is like, "Oh, oh, you you weren't bluffing. Oh no." Yeah, it, it bothers me in the musical that Valjean never even, like, finds out that Javert died. Right. And even, like, in the mo- even in the book, he just reads about it in a newspaper. It's like, oh, that's funny. I guess I'm off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But in the musical, it implies that he still thinks Valjean- Javert is after him, which is why he confesses to Mary is everything he's done. Yeah, so when you said that you were going to come back... You were just lying. Yes, and that bothers me a lot. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so he's supposed to be, like, this really good, like, honest person, but I guess we're just supposed to see Javert as, like, such a villain that we don't care. But if you kind of take that away, if you kind of take that away, like, Valjean is just lying to him and just not following up on his word. <laughs> like, over and over again. <laughs> and he keeps falling for it! Javert, you're just a silly. But it bothers me. Early on when he's like, I have known the thief from ages. Tracked him down through thick and thin. And he's like, he mentions like, this time there is no mistake. As if implying there were other times where he's like, that's Valjean and it just wasn't him. I mean, there was. That That's an actual plot point, isn't it? <laughs> but he says this time there is no mistake as if this was like one of 50 times he's brought someone to court just trying to get that conviction yeah which you think that he would have gotten the conviction because it doesn't seem like there's any justice in the system <laughs> nope not in France <laughs> yeah which that's that's why Javert is the bad guy is because it's not because he's like a you know, trying to uphold the law, it's because the law itself is unjust. Yes. And I, fi- like, I find Javert's backstory very interesting, and they don't go into it as more than just one line in the musical, which was, I was born inside a jail, I was born with scum like you, I am from the gutter too, where he is also someone that pulled himself up from his station. He and Valjean have very similar, like, backstories, if you think about it like that. Yeah, I think he actually... Because he grew up in, like, the prison system, he has more of a reason to have his position of just absolute disdain for the people that commit crimes and all that, because he has seen the worst of them, and he just assumes that, well, that's what what they all must be like. 
Can I say that the musical itself makes Val Javert much more of a villain than any other version because they have cut one very important scene? Uh, and what's that? And they added it back for the movie, but it is very important in the book and almost every other film adaptation where Javert is convinced that Valjean is who he is and reports him to the police, and then when he finds out, no, they've arrested the quote-unquote real Valjean, he goes to the mayor basically saying, please fire me, put me in jail, I am scum, and it shows that self-destructive, but behavior that he's willing to hold himself to the same standards that he held, he holds everyone to. Yeah, so it shows that he's not just, like, an asshole that doesn't care about anyone but himself. He's actually just really in it for what he considers justice. Yes, and if he and actually, has... I like that scene, and I, I'm actually glad they included that in the, uh, in the movie. And it is the most character-defining scene. And it shows Javert's flirting with self-destructive behavior, because he has these strong set of morals. That is the foreshadowing for his suicide, and if you don't have that, the story doesn't work as well. Yeah, because when he commits suicide, without that scene, there's literally really nothing that teases that. It's just kind of like, oh, I guess he he really just can't live with the fact that he's a good good guy, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas with and that I- scene, he realizes that like it's beyond turning in the wrong man. What if the man he was chasing didn't deserve it at all you know <laughs> exactly it it show it is the development of javert's character wherein currently in the musical he's just kind of i'm a bad guy depending on who's playing it because sometimes people add more nuance to it just through their performance whereas in the book and sadly in the film javert is more fleshed out imagine if they actually had a decent actor playing him yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's we'll go into a mid-show that. and then talk about the song Hey, sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but we've got a shill at you. Oh, Andrew, God, tell them it. all about Patreon and who's supporting us. Well, uh, if you want to give us a little extra support, Patreon's the way to do it. And our current supporters are Stephanie L., Terry Needleman, Max Lunick, Benjamin Lear, Lily Ackles, Mackenzie Horner, John Donna, Taryn the Duck, Melissa Goldman, Jess Lightning, Ewan Cassidy, Haley McDonald, Tasker, Cullen McLeod, Fire of September, Mina Maniri, Monica Thoreau, Brent Black, Haley Murray, Allison Wonderland, and B-Way Flicks. These folks give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you'd like to join them in supporting us and get tons of fun perks such as patron-only commentaries, our episodes a day early or even earlier, come join us over at Patreon. Alright, let's get back to the show. She'll be true. Look down, look down. They all 
we talk about the prologue first and foremost? Which is like this 10 minute opening to the entire musical that sets up almost every theme, mostly the look down theme, and tells Valjean's entire origin story. I actually like it a lot. Um, I think it's incredible. Yeah, the the bishop is a, a really good conclusion. Um, and I actually like his songs as well. I think well, it's the, just. His... Ugh, so many themes. What's that? What were you going to say? Okay, so the bishop's song. Come and serve for you are greedy. And the night is cold out there. That's empty chairs at empty tables. And yes, it when it anytime anything holy happens, like in the movie they picked up on this when Valjean goes to the convent with Cosette, and you hear him say, We'll give thanks for what is granted and all that. And then it comes back to empty chairs and empty tables. That is connection with the spiritual spirituality. And it's so yes. good. It's very good. Um and of course, of course, the work song also comes back over and mm -hmm. over. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's that that song is just kind of represents the people, I suppose, like the downtrodden. And, uh, yeah. Which is pretty much everyone in this except for Javert. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, th there isn't like Victor Hugo is very conscious that it isn't the evil poor or the evil rich against the good poor. It is, there's shades of gray, like you have the evil poor with the Tenardiers, and you have the good rich, like with the pretty much all the barricade boys. They're all rich trust fund babies that are fighting for what they and the believe bishop. in. And the bishop, the, yeah. So you, it's not just about the aristocracy versus the poor. Yes. Um, though they're obviously, with the revolutionary stuff, there is a theme that the poor are especially treated poorly um, in, in the mm -hmm. current climate politically yes um a hundred percent but they don't demonize anyone it isn't just thing bad it is a lot more nuanced than that yeah i think the only character they really de demonizes like the tenardier type characters. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but even they have like they're fleshing out with dog eat dog <laughs> sure if you want to say mm -hmm. that do you think that the <laughs> Do you think that the exposition in this opening number is a little too on the nose? Um, I suppose it's depends on how you mean by that. Mm-hmm. Like, like, basically, I think it's like, your name is Jean Valjean, and I'm Javert, and you're two sore six yeah. one, you stole a loaf of bread. Yeah, that part of it, definitely. Um, I think it's... I feel like it's necessary, though, because there's so many characters, and it's like, you gotta know who they are. <laughs> I know. And it like is I'm, effective and it's catchy, but it has been memed to death for a reason. It's like, hi, I'm this person. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it, but, you know. I think, um, I think it's, I, it is really necessary, though, because, I mean, literally after this pro prologue, too, Jean Valjean is in, like, a completely different type of clothing. It looks like he's, right. like, made a lot of money. And it's like, if you don't really know who this person is right away, uh, there might be a problem. <laughs> Do you think the story would have worked if we just start with him as normal, the Monsieur Le Maire? Uh, and then we just hear about worked. his past. It could have worked, but I don't think it would have worked as well, because then then you just take all this stuff, and now that all has to be flashbacks, and um, you also don't introduce the themes early on. Uh, right. 
it's just it's better with the prologue. It's just it's just better with the prologue. <laughs> um, and also this takes a few things out from the book that I pr- appreciate because it just makes Valjean hard to like. Um, I'm trying to remember what they may have taken out. Um, basically after he he doesn't have the revelation right after he gets the silver and he goes off away from the bishop. Immediately, as soon as like he's set free by the bishop, I have saved you for God. He robs a little child of his money. <laughs> then oh. he feels bad about it, and then he has the revelation. So I'm like, you know, I just cut that part out, and I, I'm, I'm better off with that. Is that, is that really needed? Like we already, <laughs> <laughs> we just went through this, uh, John. You, you don't do that. That's the thing yeah, you don't yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I have only one complaint with this opening. Um, just one. Okay. And it's when he's like, took the silver, took my blade, and he has like this wacky fucking note <laughs> that doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't fit with anything else ever done. And Cole Wilkinson specifically, the guy who originated it, sings it so insanely weird. When the house was still, I got up in the night, took the silver, took my flag. And still I dream he'll come to me. Then we will live the years together. I dreamed a genie. <laughs> I hate this song. I really don't like this song. I don't understand how you can hate this song. It's really good. Whatever. Maybe it's because it's overplayed and all that, and I don't feel it has much plot relevance. Wow, what a great what a great hipster. Wow. I know. I hated it for a long time. I don't hate it as much anymore. But in its placement, it's like, oh, this girl who just got fired is sad because her life has fallen down the drain, and now we're going to watch it fall even further down the drain. Yes, but uh, Fantine is not, well, she's not the lead or anything like that, but she is almost, I would say, a representation of a lot. I I guess it would work better if the prologue wasn't there, um, because then she shows, like, what is going on in the world as far as, like, these uh, poor people and how bad the situation really is. But with the prologue there, I guess you kind of already have that. But still, uh, I think it works really well. But, uh, did you like you didn't get inundated with it with the Susan Boyle world of it and the trailer with Anne Hathaway snotting all over the place? Well, no, <laughs> I don't really. <laughs> I, I try not to dislike things just because they're popular. So. I know, and it's not even because it's popular, it's just because I heard it everywhere. It's not just like, oh, I don't like it because everyone else likes it. It's just like, I'm so sick of hearing this song. 
Well, I mean, if you don't like hearing this song, you probably shouldn't watch this musical, because it's not just one time. <laughs> I mean, I prefer it when it's, like, reprised, like, basically one day more is I Dreamed a Dream. Yes, it is. Tomorrow uh, with... you'll be worlds away! It's, 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 a uh, it's all of the themes combined. Um, but yeah. that I Dreamed a Dream thing comes back quite a few times. I don't think I can name every single time, but... It's definitely in there more than once. <laughs> it comes back appropriately, is the best way to say it. Yeah, and if you don't introduce it somewhere, it can't come back. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I agree with you, and I get it. And I know I'm being real pedantic and a little pissy, but that's that's, you know I love this musical, guys, so that's just me having my one little bit, like, I'm too close to this and I don't much love it. Yeah, well, you're... You have the incorrect opinion, and everyone will tell you. <laughs> yes, they will. Yes, they will. Who am I? Who am I? And Sean Valjean! So, Jaffa, you see it's true. This man bears no more guilt than you. Who am I? Who Am I is a fantastic number, um, relatively easy to sing until the very last note. Just don't sing the last note. Problem solved. Two, four, six, oh, one! I mean, that wasn't even that bad. No. I, I was not <laughs> expecting to hit it that decently is the sad part. What do you think of this song? I think it's pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. This would... It, so, originally this didn't have the prologue at all, is what I'm thinking of here. Yes. So this would In be... In the very early French version. Would this be the actual reveal that he is Jean Valjean? More or less. I don't think that would have worked. No, it wouldn't have. <laughs> Which is why very wisely Trevor Nunn and Cameron McIntosh came in and was like, let's add some stuff to the beginning here, let's flesh some of this out. Yeah, like, this would have been when you find out that, oh, he's Jean Valjean. That's That wouldn't have worked. That would have been weird. And confusing in an already, like, clustered musical. <laughs> it, 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 it would have been a little bit too much. I, this is, well, that's one of those times where more is more. Tell us more, show us more, and then we'll appreciate the things you're doing. Sure, it'll make the experience longer, but I feel like it'll be more rewarding. Okay, well, being concise requires two things. It's not just being mm -hmm. short. You also have to understand what's happening. <laughs> okay, so, so let's just say they t they come to you. We have this three-hour musical, and you're like, you need to cut ten minutes out. And you cut the opening ten minutes, and you're like, I'm confused. And then you see it with that ten minutes back in, like, oh, it needs to be three hours. Yeah, and I mean, if three if you have a story that the most concise it can be is three hours, then that's, it probably should be three hours. But, Can you see you know. any song or any scene in here that you think you could cut? Oh, let's see, we could cut Dog Eat Dog. That'd be an Fuck easy you. one to cut. Go <laughs> 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 oh, fuck yourself. But no, that, that song is great. That song is great, and it comes back thematically very importantly throughout the rest of the show. And it's basically Valjean's I Want Song and I Am Song. So, super important to the storyline, and wonderful. I know a place where no Where no one cries 
I don't think that's okay. Fuck it. We're rewinding. Let's talk about Castle on a Cloud. This song's boring. Little what girls. If, it's so <laughs> short. How can anyone have a negative opinion about this? Little girls shouldn't be allowed on stage. Same with little I boys. I disagree. Oh. Children shouldn't be allowed in public. They should be locked up in a cage in my basement. <laughs> I mean, someone else's basement. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you don't like Gavrosh either. I'm taking it. Uh, he's a little better just because he's like spicy, I guess. <laughs> you would prefer your little girls a little more spicy? I like in the movie when they shoot him. <laughs> he gets shot in the musical too. That that scene is in the musical usually. Oh, good. That's good. I like so I'm a big fan of when when children are in things and they die because it's always like no matter what, it's always shocking. Like you can't kill a child in anything without it being really shocking. Whereas you can kill Andrew's adults Andrew's favorite all the time movie no is cares. My Girl. It's actually not, but My Girl's not bad. It's it's one of the better <laughs> movies. I like uh, I like Jacob's Ladder because it's the same kid and he dies in a different way. I mean, Andrew loves musicals because all musicals are basically Jacob's Ladder style. Um, let's move on to Masters of the House. Oh, wait. In Castle on the Cloud, I don't know if they do that in every version, but I love it when uh, the lady Tenardier mocks her. With, with their melody. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I like I like Castle on a Cloud because I like when it comes back later. I like the theme. I don't much love it in that scene, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think they, they had to write something really easy so a little girl wouldn't fuck it up. <laughs> Fun fact. All right. I'm going to this is kind of a derailing, but I love Les Mis so much. I don't so. care. Let's go. <laughs> In the 10th anniversary um concert. Um and this was like the version I knew so well. During Castle on a Cloud, which was a much longer song in that section and had like another chorus and all that. Um a gunshot goes off and she jumps. And now that's just a part of when I hear Castle on a Cloud, where is the gunshot going to come in? Wait, why did the gunshot go off? Just one of the prop guns accidentally went off. Oh, okay. I just thought it was because you were in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, this wasn't live. This was a uh, recording. Like, this was, like, the big Les Mis recording that went around. And they didn't even cut out the gunshots, so... Well, they were, they were like, no one cares about that song anyway, whatever. <laughs> they didn't even watch through the entire thing. This is three hours. You can't sit through this. I think they just specifically skipped that song. They're like, hey, let's just get to Master on the House. Seldom do you see Honest men like me A gent of good intent Who's content to be Master of the house Doling out the charm Ready with an answer Got an open palm Tells a saucy tale Makes a little stir all right, let's talk about Master of the House. Finally, this song's super funny and fun, and that's all I really have to say about it. it do, you it's don't also think really it ruins catchy. the tone. You don't think it ruins the tone at all? Like, kind of throws what we set up right out the window. It, dude, this thing needs some comic relief. Like, holy crap! Can you imagine if this song wasn't in here? Oh God. <laughs> I mean, I think more recently it's been played a little too broad. Um, like Matt Lucas, who played in the 25th and the most recent All-Star concert, he played it very, very big, and I'm not 100% a fan of that. Whereas um, 
Alan Armstrong, who played him in the original cast in the 10th anniversary, he played it just nasty. He played it not embracing the comedy, just being a nasty human being. And he looks gross, whereas Matt Lucas looks like a very clean man who washes every day. I like the lack of eyebrows. That's just how he looks. He lost his hair. I love that. That's not a choice. I think that's funny looking. He he looks like Rebel Wilson. A little bit. I remember they played twins in Bridesmaid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I like Master of the House. I think that it's a a little too long, if anything. But I guess we all kind of need that moment to breathe. I could agree with it being too long, because, I mean, it's a comedy song. It really shouldn't be as long as it is. Yeah, it overstays its welcome in some productions. Uh, A little bit in the movie, it overstays its welcome, in my opinion, but we'll get to that. The movie has some funny gags, though. I like I really like pissing, pissing in the wine and then drinking that wine, the same wine later. (laughs) Yes, that is actually taken from the Broadway show. He does that in the musical. Oh, good. That's excellent. See, I didn't, I, I haven't, you can tell I haven't seen the stage show, so. Yes, yes. And that's not your fault, they haven't made it readily available for you. That, I have that's not. That's not on you, Andrew. It should be on me, but it's <laughs> you not. You hold your course and your aim, and each in your season returns and returns, and is always the same. And if you fall and lose the propel, you fall. Let's talk about stars. (laughs) Sure. What do you have to say? Javert's basically prayer, because every character has a prayer to God, and this is Javert's, and his I Want song is, I want to find this guy, and I promise I will, and I'm not going to mess up this time. Yeah. So I feel like Javert... They made him way too incompetent, and this song almost, like, almost comes off comedic in some way. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's like, I won't stop until I get him, and then, like, every time he sees him, he's like, oh, he got away again! <laughs> the world is upside down! But this song is so pretty sounding. No, no other song sounds like this. Like, it has, like, a very lilting, understated start. And no other piece in this, aside from maybe Castle on a Cloud, really has that feel to it. Yeah, everything is really big in this whole show. Mm-hmm. So taking this moment and giving Javert his own sound, aside from the ding, 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 like, of the police. Yeah, I feel like they needed to give Javert more songs. I mean, he if you overuse him, he becomes even more comedic. Yeah. Well, I guess he's he's really only comedic because every single time we see him, he fucks up. Another brawl in the square, another sting in the air, is a witness to this? Well, I'm Spencer Javert! That, he, that was Arnold Schwarzenegger. He, um, he doesn't arrest a single person, I don't think, in the entire show. Fontaine, but he, he tries. Um, what, what are his accomplishments? He lets Jean Valjean go. He arrests Fontaine. He lets Jean Valjean go. Um, he hides among students. Don't forget that. And then gets caught. And then gets caught by a little kid. <laughs> and then <laughs> is 
Jean Valjean has the chance to murder him, and he is like, fine, do it. I bet you won't do it. And he's like, all right, I won't. And he's like, what? I thought you'd do it. Then yeah. he killed oh, himself because he forgot. couldn't handle he, it. He also, uh, he lets uh, Tenardier go. Um, yes. He forgot about that. Yes. Um, but there was no And victim. then he kills himself. Yeah. <laughs> Quite the I got a question for you. Sure. So they did an anime version of Les Mis, which is actually one of the more accurate interpretations of the story and doesn't really cut anything, but it does remove the fact that Javert dies. He doesn't kill himself for that. He really? Just, he's like, you know what? I'm a People can change. I'm a fucking get all the people that'll never change. And he arrests Tenardier at the end. He's like, I'll just escape again. He's like, and I'll catch you again. So he just changes and targets. He, <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. I, I don't and he like goes that to Valjean's grave, and it's weird. I don't like that. I don't like it either, but it's interesting. I love Les Mis adaptations and how they change everything. Yeah, I, I don't like that it removes uh, Tenardia's happy ending. <laughs> I mean, Tenardia doesn't really have a happy ending. He, he like, lo- in this musical, he loses two kids, both to gunshots. Yeah, yeah but, like, he doesn't care, so... <laughs> yeah, fair. And, and they cut out the subplot of Tenardier's tie to Marius in the musical. Do you remember that from the book? I don't remember that, actually. Basically, Tenardier in the Battle of Waterloo allegedly saved Marius's father from dying in battle. But Tenardier thought he was a corpse and was trying to steal money from him. So Marius. <laughs> <laughs> so Marius of is told that's what like, happened. <laughs> So Marius grows up being told by his father that this great man, Tenardier, saved my life on the battle and I owe everything to him. If you ever come across him, do whatever you can to help him and la 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 la. So that's how Marius initially gets tied up with Tenardier and meets Eponine and all that. Because he had to, like, oh, I promised my dad I'd help you out and you're, you're kind of a scoundrel the more I hang out with you and I don't like this, but I made a promise, I guess. Yeah... I think I remember not liking that because it just had more Marius in it. <laughs> yeah. Did I t- Marius is a self-insert character for Victor Hugo, by the way. It really shows, I think. <laughs> My place is here. I fight with you. Let's talk about one day more. Uh, one of the best songs in the whole thing, maybe the best song. <laughs> it's definitely the most iconic. Maybe next to "Do You Hear the People Sing," which is in this one. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, if you name any of the songs in Act One and you're like, "I really like that song," you're gonna like this song because it probably has that song in it. The only one I can't think of is Castle on a Cloud. And yeah, even I don't there's think some that... songs from 
Act 2 that show up in there. Yeah, it's... it's. I, I almost feel like I wish that the whole thing could end with this song, but it really can't. <laughs> no. No, it would be nice, but no. Uh, I don't know. I guess the one thing I don't like about this song is that once this song is over, it's like, well, shoot, I don't get to look forward to that song again. <laughs> that, that is... That's the best thing about Les Mis. Can I say, like, my 100% most favorite thing about Les Mis? And makes sure. every time I watch it such a joy. There are things to always look forward to. There's always some song or some moment or something to look forward to all the way up to the end. Well, I mean, that's only because almost every song is really, really good, so... <laughs> yes, and that's so rare. Like, even with the things we've liked on here, like with Parade, basically after all the wasted time, you're just waiting for the show to end. Yeah, this is... We've talked about some good ones, but this one is almost perfect. There's very yes. little I would change. So Almost nothing I would change about it. And the fact that everyone's melodies blend so well together, and how naturally it seems that all their stories have aligned together, it is really impressive. But there is only one complaint I have of this song. Sure. It is the fact that this is the first time we're hearing about Javert joining the student rebellion. He just shows up, I'm joining these schoolboys. Yeah. yeah. Again, why does Javert not have any songs? <laughs> uh, I it, it is weird. And in like every other production, it's like, hey, Javert, go, go spy on these schoolboys. All right. Okay, I guess. And then he cuts to him and he's in the schoolboy rebellion. I mean, they don't add much to it. I think in in the concert version that I saw, even in yeah. this song, they don't mention it. They don't actually mention it until he's just literally there and the leader of the rebellion's like, all right, I need you to go figure out what's going on. It's like, is that Javert? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. No, no, in it, in it he... He definitely showed up. Michael Ball's like, I will learn the little secrets. I will know the things I know. Yeah, but like that's underneath uh, everyone, everyone else singing. Else yeah. singing. <laughs> You're supposed to be paying attention. Everyone pay attention to this. <laughs> everyone pay attention to what this one character is saying underneath everyone else singing all their parts. <laughs> I Let's move on to On My Own. Here I go again on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining Eponine in her, like, S little dude singing outfit. A, singing a, a White Snake song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think of this song? Because I love it. I, I love this song a lot. Uh, I think this is a very good song, and it's just a shame that she dies so soon afterwards. <laughs> Agreed. Um, I think that it describes like visuals that really uh, are effective, like the the pavement is red and misty in the river and all that. Like it is very poetic language, and I think it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Like this is one we love. We love this musical, but most of it is the songs are based on the musical elements more than the lyrical elements because the lyrics are mostly tools to get you to the next 
plot point and they serve more as storytelling as opposed to being poetry. Sometimes they're, they overlap, but this is just beautiful poetry that is so nice. This is uh, Act 2's I Dreamed a Dream. Yes, and it's better than I Dreamed a Dream. Thank God for that. No, it's not, but whatever. Yes, it is. <laughs> you can take, you can give, let him be. Let's skip to bring him home, which I hate. Why? Um, I don't even hate it that much. I just strongly not love it. <laughs> I, it's fine. It is the longest song in this entire show. It is the one time that the story actually kind of stops for someone to sing. I kind of agree with that. Uh, they kind of they just kind of repeat it like twice, but they do it yes. in a row. <laughs> And it's, like, it's really it difficult for me to find just a series of whole notes interesting. Da 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 I'm just gonna mention that those are not whole notes, but that's fine. I, it is in the it is in the score. I didn't sing whole notes. No, you did not. <laughs> I did not sing whole notes. I don't have the voice for it. But it it is the one self indulgent moment in this, and it was specifically written for the vocalist Colm Wilkinson as soon as they figured out what his range was. It feels very patting patting ourselves on the back. Look at how difficult this is to sing vocally, isn't it nice? And I see people cry at it, and I'm just like, I feel nothing because this guy just met this dude. Story wise, yeah. it makes no sense. Well, this is like that's honestly this is why I hate Marius. So the whole Marius plot, he just met, he literally just met uh, Cosette, and he falls completely in love with her, and Valjean gets a letter about it, and he's like, oh yeah, uh, gotta bring him back, because that's obviously really important, even though they just met. <laughs> like, it's just two people, three people that have all just met each other, and now they're singing passionately about how important they all are <laughs> to each other. Agreed, and... We'll talk about the movie coming up, but that movie butchers this song due to a pulp. I think it has all the fact to do with the fact that Hugh Jackman sang it. <laughs> uh, but I hate this song. It really, it's just too long, honestly. It's too long and not enough momentum. Whereas you can stop the show with something like Stars, which is a little bit more, little bit more pulpy, or even the soliloquies, which are like, "Who is this man? What sort of devil is he?" Like really fast, like story-based one, where this is like a character connection song about two characters that have no connection. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> this song's right. fine. This song's fine. It's just too long. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. I suppose it's it is pretty. very pretty. Yeah, I. Actually, do you want to know my honest opinions that might get me crucified? Yeah, sure, go ahead. There is a moment right after the final battle where they just play the music to bring him home, and I prefer that 
wholesale more than the actual song. Where you got it like on the harp and all that and the, the oboe solo. And Javert's like digging through the bodies and all that. That that instrumental works so much more effectively as underscore than an actual song. Yeah, I agree. To counter that point real quick, if the Bring Him Home song didn't get sung, then that instrumental part wouldn't have any meaning, so... I guess! <laughs> <laughs> Phantom faces at the window Phantom shadows on the floor Empty chairs at empty tables Where my friends will meet no more Empty where my friends will sing. Let's talk about empty chairs at empty tables. Um, also a contender for best song in the show. I hate Marius, but he's the only character who is still alive to sing the song, so I guess I have to deal with it. <laughs> Out of all um, the barricade boys, who's your favorite? The the leader guy. I don't know. Man his bun? Name. Yeah, man bun. In just, the he's just got the pa- he's a got, man bun. He's just got the passion going, you know? Did you know in the musical they never say his name? His, That's why his I didn't name know what is his Ongera. name was. It's not even your fault. His name's Ongera. Alright, there you go. Well I, I did not know his name because they never said it. So there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just an empty ter- chair at an empty table. Which is probably one of my favorite songs in the entire show, too. One of the first songs I ever learned on piano as well. And I'm sure you play it to death. That's all. If that's all I got from memory, yep. Well, I don't really have much else to say about that other than it's really good. <laughs> Do you th- I was always worried about this song and like, because I loved it. I always loved it. But I was never sure how it emotionally resonated and whether or not we felt that connection. But honestly, I think there's more of a connection between Marius and his best buddies, his dead best buddies than him and Kazette. Shit, there definitely Marius is. And, Marius and Valjean, you feel more of a connection between them between than between Marius and Cassette. Okay, like I hate on Marius a lot, but my mm-hmm. my girlfriend actually brought up a good point when we watched this, uh, and sh- I I asked her who her least favorite character was, and she said Cassette, and I realized that Cassette is worse than Marius. She does nothing. <laughs> She, the most interesting thing she was was an abused child. Then as soon as she gets everything that she wants, and she becomes a nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, Cassette, Cassette is really bland. And honestly, she doesn't even really sing anything, which I'm fine with. <laughs> a heart full of love. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Notice we skipped that song. Cut that song. That's the one you can cut. <laughs> I, I disagree. You need that song, and I like no, the trio. I, I, know. I like the trio of it. God. All right. Andrew, do you want to finally talk about the movie?
So in 2012, Cameron McIntosh and Universal Pictures um, adapted the musical of Les Miserables and hired director Tom Hooper, most famous for making terrifying CGI cats and <laughs> making a film they're, starring they're letting Hugh Jackman. Him, they're letting him do it again. That's the thing. Yep. The, why are they letting him do this yep. again? <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe, Anne Hathaway, Amanda Seyfried, Eddie Redmayne, Aaron Tveit, and so many more. Um, it it was it was a big thing in 2012. <laughs> it was all over the place. So and it's I not good. The, it's not good, guys. I, I thought I liked it once, but I don't. <laughs> I think the thing that's the worst about it is really just that the two lead roles they somehow got the worst singers for. <laughs> I, like, I, those... <laughs> why not hire good singers for them? Who would you have hired, though? Who has a voice that could sing the songs of Valjean? Who is famous uh, in, and bankable enough? Um, lots of musicians. But they're not famous actors. How about we do this, okay? Get Hugh okay. Jackman to sing to to sing the part and then get an actual singer to sing the part and then put those two things together. <laughs> so you're a fan of dubbing? Yes. That's why you like My Fair Lady so much. Yes. What's wrong with dubbing? Why can't we do dubbing? Um because it hurts the egos of the poor poor actors. Think of the poor actors, Andrew. Oh my goodness. Poor Poor Hugh Jackman's being told that he can't sing when he can't sing. Like, okay, whatever. I don't care. Somebody step up to the plate and tell him that he sucks and get somebody else if he's not willing to do it. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> the question now is, let me be positive for a bit. Let's talk about the good things the film did because I plan to tear this shit apart. <laughs> the story is very easy to follow. Yes. And they t took some structural changes to the original musical to make sure the story is more followable and a little bit more linear. So the prologue is basically the same, but when we come back, like, they moved I Dream a Dream to right after Lovely Ladies and Fantine's already been sold into prostitution, so the song works a lot better there. Um, they gave Valjean a reason to be distracted from Fantine, so he's not just, like, an aloof boss. He is distracted by the fact that he's seeing Javert for the first time. And very smart screenwriting things like that. But, and they also added the scene where Javert basically asks to be fired and Valjean doesn't do it, which is another which important character piece. It's something they probably should have written a song for, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, they basically wrote a song. They took Javert's, the original, like, the song in the musical and just changed the lyrics, which is fine. <clears throat> um, but it also damages a lot of plot points. I think Eponine's story is really, really detrimental in this film. I don't think it is very well handled in this because they moved up. They, yeah, they took away everything that she did. The only thing they added that was positive, she took a bullet for Marius instead of just dying on accident while crossing the barricade. <laughs> Yeah, but it also looks really stupid because she, like, moves the gun and holds it specifically to her chest for no reason. Instead of just what pointing it in a different direction. <laughs> yeah, like, like you didn't have to do that. I mean, you would have. she would have died anyways, to be fair, because, mm -hmm. I mean, that barricade situation was obviously not going to work. But, like, I honestly just preferred it when she got shot trying to get back into the barricade. <laughs> yeah. Uh in the book, she just puts her hand over a musket to stop it from Marius, and it shoots through her hand. She bleeds to death. 
uh, putting your hand over a musket would not stop a bullet, but whatever. <laughs> I'm just telling you what happened. I, I didn't write it. Talk to Victor Hugo. Dig his ass up and ask him these questions. I mean, maybe it would. Maybe muskets are so shitty that it actually would stop it. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, can I talk about another positive thing before we go and properly tear this apart? Um, which stands out mostly because of how not good our two leads are. The entire second half of this movie is carried entirely by Eddie Redmayne, who's playing Marius. And this is his best performance he's ever delivered. And he makes Marius interesting, relatable, quirky, and a character. Where in any other version, he was like, they just put Nick Jonas in it because like, hey, he's pretty. Yeah, he, he definitely does good. I think I, I, I would also say the uh, I forget his name, but the guy playing Tenardier, who was also Sasha Baron Cohen actor. Yes, he does. OK, he does. OK, but he's doing his usual stick like which I'm fine with his usual stick works. He's he's probably the best thing in the Sweeney Todd movie, too. Yep, he's definitely the best singer at the very least. And he's also... Uh, I'm going to give him props here. He, he did a French accent. <laughs> For no reason. It's distracting because he's the only one doing it. But, like, okay, we're doing a movie version that's, like, going to be professional and recorded and we can, you know, mix it and all this and get actors who fit the roles. Why not have everybody do French accents? Because Hugh Jackman can barely do a British accent. All right, Andrew, I got to talk to you about this. What do you think of the live singing in the movie? Because this was the first film to ever be done entirely start to finish live sung on set with a piano playing in their earpiece. I've already said my opinion in that I wanted it to be dubbed. It sucks. (laughs) (laughs) So Hugh Jackman, like... Why do you think Hugh Jackman sounds so bad? Like, what did they do? You know music better than me, and I think you'll say this. I mean, a lot I think more it's just, eloquently. I think it's just a tone quality, honestly. Some people's voices just don't really sound that good. Um, and like, I think he's not missing notes or anything like that. Uh, some of the high notes, he—I mean, he hits them, but his—he's like straining. Um, so it's really all down to tone. So. Like, you could say that he's a good singer in that he can hit notes, but singing is not just about hitting notes. You have to have a certain tonal quality behind them, and he doesn't have that. And uh, I think, was it Russell Crowe is even worse? (laughs) He's definitely hitting the notes. Yeah, so, well, because when people talk about bad singing, like, you know, people that don't know that much about music will a lot of times throw around like, oh, well, like auto-tune and stuff like that because they can't hit the notes. But like, it's not about just hitting the notes, you know? It's never about just hitting the notes. You can hit the notes, but if your tone sucks ass, you're going to sound like shit. Like, it doesn't... (laughs) And and I think that's the problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But how do they compare about against someone? Because what they're doing is they're singing live so they can have more control of their performance and all that. And... They bring down. They shouldn't the vocal. have done that. That just makes it worse. But, <laughs> but the moments where it works, it really works. Like Anne Hathaway singing "I Dreamed of Dream." Anne Hathaway singing anything. Her voice sounds pretty, and it isn't distracting. And she's able to perform in the way that they wanted to. They needed to find actors, performers, vocalists at the quality of Anne Hathaway, which they get in Eddie Redmayne and Samantha Barks as well, but so, not in Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman. Not at all. So why, 
Okay, let me get it straight. So the live singing, did they they didn't use those takes? Like they went into a yes, studio they and did the songs. They did not record the songs in a studio. No, they sang live, and that was a big thing. That was it's that's so stupid. The whole benefit of making a movie would be that you can make the perfect take, record every line individually, and, and just get it perfect and release that, and then we have a perfect version of the songs on stage, uh, uh, not stage, on the fucking big screen. Like, and you know what why else not was sung that? completely live, Andrew? You know what else was sung completely live? The fucking all-star concert we watched where everyone's voice was perfect. Yeah. Okay. But like, imagine getting that all-star cast and then putting them into a studio and allowing them to sing those songs and singing parts of those songs as many times as they want to get it as close to perfection as possible in every single aspect and then getting a professional mixer to mix that all and then putting that into a movie that is filmed and you can do as many takes as you want to make sure every single like it why would you fucking throw all that away to just do it live in in something that no one will even notice because (laughs) because we didn't get to watch it live (laughs) i will say um in the defense of this i think it could have worked and I think it could have worked really well. And there are scenes where it does work really, really well. Because I'm not a big fan of dub singing because you can always see the moments and places where it's off and the lip sync is wrong just because that's the nature of the beast. And I get the idea that you have to make all your performance choices at least two months before you're on the set and knowing the environment and knowing what you're wanting to do. I get all that. And I agree. And like, but the amount of effort they put into it to like put down carpet on scenes that are supposed to be hardwood floor so you don't hear the stepping and they have no audio spill and the fact that during the rain they had to buy the specific rain machine with like smaller drops that didn't make any noise it it is insane the amount of work they put into this to make it sound as good as it could while live singing but they didn't hire actors that could do the job so if you're gonna do all this live singing you should have just gotten performers that are used to a stage setting because that's more like what you're doing. Not You're not really doing like a film type thing. So getting film actors to do this is stupid. Um, but do you, know you what agree else is for, that, that at you know what the else bar- is, uh, when the Barricade boy scenes are going on, those are the best parts of the movie because those are all stage actors that are delivering very well? Yeah, I mean, they do, they do a great job. And honestly, that's when it starts to kind of pick up a little bit more. Um, but... You know what this whole the whole scenario of them doing this live singing thing reminds me of is uh that movie that's currently being made um where they're going to be filming like over the course of how many years <laughs> 20 um, years merrily yeah, roll along it's literally exactly like that it's like we're going to put a shit ton of extra effort in for something that will have minimal to no payoff in fact it may have a negative payoff by making the movie worse um but we're gonna put a shit ton of effort into doing it anyways why just fucking don't it pisses that pisses me off don't put effort into shit that doesn't make sense put effort into what's gonna actually make the movie good was there anything about the movie that (laughs) that really stood out to you as really good like, the orchestrations, I think, are really diminished. Like, they, compared to that concert we saw where the orchestrations just sound big and massive and it just blows you to the back of the room because of how incredible it sounds, it just sounds so muted, so small. I think part of it is that the, the singers can't 
get their voice like Hugh Jackman can't project the way a stage actor can project because he's not vocally trained to do that you know someone who is vocally trained to sing to the back of the audience in a stage uh, is gonna project and be so much bigger than someone who is used to recording in a studio on a mic you know Speaking of how terrible Hugh Jackman is, fuck was he terrible and bring him home? Well, that's that's a number that you've already said is specifically written for a, a, a specific vocalist who probably mm-hmm. had a good. Ra- I mean, you don't write a song for a vocalist that has like a two octave range, you know? Nope. <laughs> you don't write a and song. Speaking, for... That vocalist is in this movie. He plays the bishop. Yes, he was the original so Belshaw. You don't write a song for a vocalist that's average. And, I, you know, people rag on Hugh Jackman for being terrible. I mean, he probably sounds fine in, like, a, a pop song or something like that. I'm sure he would sound great. Uh, but this is not... this. Is, these aren't pop songs. This is a big, like, epic, almost operatic-type uh, musical. <laughs> you know, it's not the same thing. Uh, so his voice just doesn't cut it in that setting. But even for that song itself, and Hugh Jackman, God bless him, he does a lot of things that are great, but he cannot sing quietly for to save his life. And I know you brought up that he can't project. I think he can only project. <laughs> I don't think he projects well, is what I'm saying. I think his projection sounds muted and, and lame. <laughs> well, the thing is, even when he's quiet, like... We need to get Cassette out of here. We need to go. Well, yeah, thanks for what is granted. And I bring mean, him home is supposed to be a falsettoed whisper. It's supposed to be so high that it sounds like a whispered prayer. Whereas he's like, bring him peace, bring him joy. Well, I think we both agree that he's not good. <laughs> yes. And I feel like I we're not dunking on Russell Crowe enough. Russell Crowe's worse. Why is he worse? I He just, his tone is just awful. And uh, it's a blessing that Javert doesn't have very many songs. <laughs> <laughs> you don't realize how very little Javert's in it when you, until you're, like, hoping he's not in it more. <laughs> and I think that his tonal quality could have worked for that role if he was given more of a shit. But he does not want to be there. He is not trying. He is doing a monotone performance. It's not I, just I his just... voice that's monotone. It is him. What I would have, and I don't know why they decided that they needed to get these big actors, because I don't think it was necessary. Lay Miz is a household name. People would go to see that, I think. Yes. Get get good singers, make a trailer that shows off the songs and shows off the quality of the singers. Especially Play Dream to Dream going... and people are going to see that fucking movie. We all know that. Yeah. And and you know what? Why don't you get big actors for the smaller roles? Get a big actor to play Tenardier who has easier songs in in most cases. Um, you know, and then if they're or, like a little bit subpar, it's not that it's not that big a deal. Don't get a big actor to play the lead when you need to have a really good voice to sing it. <laughs> I agree. I 100% agree. Um, know what this reminds me of and it kind of has the exact reverse issue with that than that. Into the Woods. Into the Woods is another celebrity-based musical, but they're all brought 
able to sing the roles that they were given very, very well. It's just that the story isn't told as good as the musical, where I think this film tells the story better than the musical at some points, but the cast just cannot bring themselves to the level of that. I think the thing that really bugs me with the movie is that, um, it, it, by all accounts, I think a movie version of this should actually be, be better than the stage show because you can make it bigger. You can show more stuff as far as like you know violence and um, fighting and and stuff like that, uh, and you can show that better. And then you can do bigger orchestrations because you can record stuff. Um, and and the fact that they didn't do any of that. It's just, like, why? I just don't get it. It just... <laughs> it's upsetting. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you think the movie did good on? I did not get that from you yet, and I'm very curious if you think anything it did good on. Oh, well, I've already said, I think the storytelling is better. Um, do you think any songs are, like, really standout or performances even? No. Not really. None? I, d I don't think any of the songs are better than the live show I saw. Or even I will good. say two. I think two are better or as good. Okay. And I think one of them is Empty Chairs at Empty Tables because it's such a new dramatic version of that where it starts a cappella and it's, it works. It works really well in that moment. And he, he's one of those people that can carry a tune, sound pretty, and cry at the same time without it feeling weird, as well as on my own. I think those two moments are very well done. But can I complain again about the way that this film had to be made with the live singing and how it actually ruined the filming? the actual shooting of this movie. Well, yeah, because you can't do, like... I mean, I guess you could, but you can't do as many, like, cuts and things like that when you're trying to film everything live. Because they're making up the tempo. The actor set the tempo. And so, basically, all they... That's the reason why there's so many one-take scenes. Like, each song is basically one-take with Anne Hathaway and Hugh Jackman and On My Own because they set the tempo and you can't cut to a different tempo mid-song or else it's going to sound weird, so you're just stuck in that shot. Yep. And it's bad. Yeah. Bad and I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I, I... I understand that they wanted to be ambitious, but I think in some cases, it's better to just do what works. In fact, I'd say in most cases, it's better to do what works. Being ambitious about stuff like that just does, it's just it, it, it you're just looking for bragging rights you're like oh well, my movie did this and nobody else has done that it's like well nobody else made a shitty movie so fuck you <laughs> can we talk i'm gonna talk to you one more time before we move on to our final thought about sure. films that you have watched that have been live sung that have worked and i bet you didn't even know they were live sung all right first one um my Fair Lady. Every single song with Rex Harrison was singing, he's had an earpiece in his ear playing the music, and he sang it live. Well, he spoke it live, but he was performing live. Okay, well, the other actor was not, so there is dubbing in that movie as well. Yes, but it wasn't an entire film live song, but there was live singing in it. Hedwig and the Angry Inch, I believe every song was sung live. Okay, I mean, I didn't really like that that much, but okay. But the, I'm talking about the filmmaking itself. I suppose. I don't remember that movie um, looking particularly good, though. As well as the last five years. Most of the songs in that movie were sh performed live by those two actors. And it didn't sound any less pretty or nicer, all that, than the albums, even. Sure. But that also hired stage actors to play the parts, I'm pretty sure, so... 
Yeah, exactly. And then finally, Into the Woods had numerous songs performed live. Yeah, but that movie sucked. That, it didn't suck for the reasons that it, Les Mis sucks, though. It's very weird why that movie sucks. Well, it didn't look good either. Like, it wasn't like... Oh, I disagree. I think Into the Woods looks amazing. I I disagree. I remember that movie looking somewhat ugly. Oh, that, may, that wasn't, maybe wasn't the shooting, but that might have been the set design and stuff like that. Yeah, I was about to say. Like, with that director, if you had told him you can't cut anything from this story, you could have made a great Into the Woods movie. They cut the entire act two in that movie. I, hate I it. know, I I know, I know. <laughs> so, Andrew, what is your what is your overall thoughts on Les Miserables and your cheese rating? Um, well, the oh, hang on, I'm cut this part out. Cut this out. I need to look up what cheese is. Yeah, I, I'm gonna try to do something for cheese. He's actually going to put effort into it. I'm going to put a mild amount of effort in. Not too much. I stole a loaf oh, of bread. Um, so, my overall thoughts are on the stage show. which I guess I can't comment on the stage show because I haven't seen that, but the concert performance. Um, absolutely amazing. Fantastic. Uh, really glad I saw it. And I probably will go see it again if it, if it ever happens again. Because it was just really, really good. <laughs> um, all the music is fa- fantastic. Um, I suppose the storytelling probably could be improved, but since I already knew the story going in for this one, I wasn't too bothered by it. So I guess I would recommend knowing the story before you go in. Um, uh, but overall, just amazing. Uh, the movie that you also made me watch for some reason, um, not nearly as good. And I'm really glad I didn't watch the movie first, because that would have soured me, I'm sure. <laughs> um, it has soured a lot of people, though. Like, people now have turned on the musical because of how bad the movie was. Yeah, well, don't turn on the musical. Don't be an idiot, okay? Don't jump on that bandwagon, because the musical is fantastic. And if you tell me that you don't like it, I'm going to think you're an idiot. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> didn't someone just tell me they didn't like it? <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> What a dummy. Um, uh, and your cheese rating. Cheese rating, uh, I don't know. I'm going to give it blue cheese because that's French, right? <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I love Les Mis. I am on the record of adoring Les Mis for the last 10 years. Like, it is an absolutely incredible musical. And every time I watch it, I cry at different parts. Most consistently, I cry during the opening prologue. Um, when the bishop gives him the second chance, I just want to weep. No musical has ever wished I made me wish I believed in God more than this because it makes it sound real nice, doesn't it? Um, I have almost no complaints with this aside from the few that I mentioned. Every time I watch it is a joy. Um, I can't give it anything but um, cheese from the Victor Hugo um, cheese market. On uh, thoughts on the movie? The movie's bad. <laughs> I know in the past I've said it was fine, but it's it, movie bad. Hard to watch. The second half is considerably... Like, if you edit this to be a film all about Marius and the Barricade Buddies, it's an alright movie. I don't think the movie is, like, un- unwatchable, but... No, no, Like, no. if you have a choice between watching that and any other version, um... You, you're making the wrong choice if you watch the movie. 
<laughs> I mean, between the musical and the movie, yeah. But between the 2012 movie and the 98 movie and the 2000 movie and the most recent miniseries, I'd still probably pick the musical movie because it has some good songs. Well, that's a different, that's a totally different thing. I mean, if we're talking about whether or not you want to read the book or watch the musical, I mean, you can't really compare those, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, no. And if you're watching, you if you're watching what? a movie version of the book, that's a different experience, and I could understand if you wanted to do that. But if you're watching something with the music from this show in it, uh, the movie's like the worst version you could possibly find. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, we haven't done this in a long while, but I think this is very much lending it to it. If you could recast this with the Muppets, who would you cast? <laughs> okay. Um, well, so I don't really know who I would cast for... Um, I think Javert and Valjean would both be the humans, like non-Muppets. I disagree. Characters. I very you, highly disagree. What do you, who do you think, then? I think Kermit should be Valjean, and I think that Sam Eagle should be Javert. Come on, those are obvious ones. Okay, yeah, Sam Eagle as Javert would work. I feel like <laughs> Valjean, like, the main character is usually not a Muppet, though. You know I mean, what I'm saying? in this like, one, I think it would work if he could be. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, Kermit as Valjean does work. Um, There's so much see. humor to be had with just this put-upon guy like, oh, no. I, I mean, like, trying to run the show, basically, it works so well. Uh, Madame Thenardier is definitely Miss Piggy. Um, yep. But I think I'd make Fontaine a human, like, keep her as Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I could see that. Um, <laughs> She's playing it exactly the same way. And, like, all the chickens are the prostitutes. Marius. Gonzo's, like, the pimp. I feel like, I feel like Gonzo could be Marius, actually. No, no, no. No. You don't think so? No, you need, like, actually a character you can get behind in a way. Uh, who's the, who's the make... drunkard guy from the, uh, from the barricade? The guy with, who always has, like, a beer Grantaire. bottle in his Grant yeah, that... I love him. Uh, Fozzie. Either that actually, or Fozzie's you know Tenardio. I, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna disagree with you myself now. You're right. Um, Valjean needs to be human. Kermit is... Andra and Fozzie is Granter. I think that works. Of course, Kermit dies in this version, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay, who plays Cosette? Is oh. that a human? Janice or, or a human? Keep it as Amanda Seyfried. Okay, I I still stand by by Gonzo being Marius. I think that works. <laughs> okay, Gonzo as Marius, and a chicken as Cosette, and then you have Samantha Barks as Epony and wanting Gonzo so bad, but he's just too in love with the chicken. <laughs> okay, that's like, now this is bizarre because there's the chicken and a human taking care of the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> my Cosette will live in my protection. Then he goes and finds her. Oh, 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 oh no, it's just a chicken. No, that'd be funny, though. That'd... That's a good. That's a good Muppets joke, though. I think that actually works. Okay, who plays who plays Tenardier? Um, comedy actor Steve Martin. Steve Martin and Miss Piggy. Yeah, I could see it working. Mark Hamill. I could definitely. I could definitely see that actually. Uh, who have we not cast? <laughs> oh, Eponine. 
Eponine is just actress. You would have her be a, a straight playing actress in love with like Gonzo. Um, I think uh, what's his name? Uh, little boy should be uh, should be Robin uh, Kermit's. Yeah, Robin. I agree. And did we <laughs> cast a Marius? No, I think should play Marius if we were like actually doing this. Um, okay, that sure. new Muppet from the the new Muppet movie. Um, what's his name? The Whistler. Oh, guy. the whistle. The whistle guy. Are we gonna add a yeah. whistle solo into uh <laughs> into like Empty Hearts of Love or something? Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I can I can uh, see that he's whistling the high part in uh in a heart full of love. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Anyone right, yeah, else important? Did we get all the ma- major players? Uh, the bishop. Oh, the bishop. That would be a comedy actor of some kind. <laughs> Come on, we <laughs> no, know No, because that. then there's no Muppet in that scene, because then we have Valjean as a human, and then the bishop as a human. I guess, yeah. Um, the bishop chef. should be... Me, no, me, no, no, me, 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 me. no. No, no, no. The bishop is uh, is uh, Rolf Detler and the Waldorf. dog. No, Rolf no. the dog. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Sadler and Wardorf has to be someone in this. Yeah, they have to be someone... Oh, wait, wait. Hmm. Statler and Waldorf could play. I feel like they should almost be like Javert's lackeys, almost. Like, just add that in. <laughs> He's talking to stars now. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. They're, they're the they're in the army. They're in the army that kills the barricade boys. <laughs> you <laughs> and, and the barricade. Like making... Listen to this. You're about to die, man. I'm jealous. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that that works. That works. I'm doing that. That's my they're cast. They're dead. Well, they're the lucky ones. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening to this super long episode of Musicals with Cheese. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, at Musicals with Cheese. Our Twitter is at Cheesy Musicals. Our Patreon is Musicals with Cheese. Our Instagram is also Musicals with Cheese. Our YouTube page is also Musicals with Cheese. Email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. We have a second podcast that we sometimes update. It's Disney Plus Cheese. Go check that out. Our title card was created by Jolene Casco. Find her on Instagram at Jolene Casco. And Andrew, by the time the next time they hear us, it'll be 2020. It's our first last episode of 2019. And this year we have had so much progress and so much growth. And we are so grateful to all of you. We love you all so much. We're thank you for joining us on this weird ride of cheese. I just realized that Statler and Waldorf can show up in the opening song and, like, make fun of uh, Valjean. Uh, if oh, the oh look down, look down. Uh, like, he's, he he's, like, in the eye. He's singing, like, a serious thing, and Statler and Waldorf make some sort of stupid pun. It would be great. All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> See you in 2020, kids. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.